the big one is is actually going to like directly to the airline that's the biggest thing some people will so example like if you even with like the chase reward system right mm -hmm. Uh, they're a partner with welcome back to young smart money with me your host apple Kreider. today we're sitting down with nick fitzgerald of ecom kings to talk about three things okay we're talking about e-commerce we're talking about building and leveraging your credit for some amazing opportunities and free travel as an entrepreneur and we are talking about building out a team okay so taking your business to that next level bringing other people on board and uh, stepping up to a place of leadership leaving behind the world of being a solopreneur and uh, becoming a full-on entrepreneur Nick has got some amazing experiences in all three of these areas from building some massive e-com businesses, from accumulating hundreds of thousands, if not millions of credit card points and uh, of building a team now that's basically like a small army um, with both a team in-house in the United States and then multiple teams offshore. So if you guys are at all interested in building an e-commerce business or leveraging your credit travel for free or just scaling your business, whatever it is to that next level through the help of other people, this is the episode for you. You are in the right place and I am so excited for you to learn a whole lot about all three of those things in this episode today. So without further ado, let's just welcome Nick Fitzgerald to Young Smart Money. So guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. All right, Nick, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. So, Nick, our listeners got to hear a bit about you and what you're currently up to in the intro to this episode. But for those of them that aren't familiar with who you are and what you're working on, give us a quick 60-second snapshot of where you're at right now. Yeah, so right now, basically, uh, we just rebranded the whole company that I'm a part of. We start, we became Ecom Kings in the past. We were Dropshipping Mastery, Ecom Mastery, but now Ecom Kings with a Z. Um, we just got a brand new office in Newport Beach, California, uh, growing our team like crazy. Our in-house team, we have an out-of-the-country out of team as well that uh, is quite large. Uh, but the in-house team's doing great. Uh, had a lot of full-time people coming on so we can produce more content and uh, provide a better, better customer experience. Awesome. I'm super stoked to dive into that. Um, I know the listeners are very interested in e-com and building a team, so I'm super stoked to dive into both of those things. But before we do, i like to start all the episodes off our listeners know by flashing back in time to your early upbringing. So I want to hear about what Nick Fitzgerald was up to in those middle school and high school years. Were you getting involved in entrepreneurship? Were you taking school seriously? Was it sports? Like, what were you doing? Yeah. So back then, um, so uh, I was always growing up, like I played every little sport as a little kid, but uh, my main thing was like racing. So like BMX, dirt bikes, things like that. So kind of a little bit more of an individual, like you have a team behind you, but it's more of an individual sport uh, where it's just on you really to like go out and do your best. So those were like the type of things I was really into. Um, action sports was my thing. Uh, but as far as like entrepreneur growing, all of that, I was, I was legit that kid that had a lemonade stand at like five years old. So, um, like at my grandma's garage sale, hustling customers, like you buy this cup, I'll give you free lemonade, you know, <laughs> like, um, and that transformed into like, I was always like trying to flip stuff nonstop. Uh, like one of my dad's friends worked for a shipping company and every once in a while, like a pallet would just like, no, one would be, no one would claim it. And you know, he'd call me and be like, Hey, do you want to buy this before we send it to auction? And just like flip stuff. Like I remember one time I bought like two pallets of floor jacks for like cars. And I was like 14, 15, like about to get my license, be able to drive. And I was just trying to make as much money as possible. And I'm just like, if you lived on my block, if you were a friend of a friend or a friend of my parents, like, I don't care if you lived in an apartment, you bought a car jack for me. Like that's just <laughs> how it was. Um, and then, uh, so after high school and everything, I was actually in army. So I was in the army for five years and, um, that was fun. Great experience. Uh, uh, I learned a lot of things and discipline and getting things done and working together, working as a team and leading people. Um, but I knew, you know, I'm never going to join the army. I could be a general in the army. I'm still going to have a boss and like have to answer someone. So I uh, decided to get out. And when I got out, um, I was super involved in the fitness world at the time. I was competing and things like that. So mm. uh, naturally I ended up working at a gym, became like their number one sales guy. Uh, and from that, uh, got recruited basically by a consulting company to start opening clubs and gyms uh, around the world and uh, doing consulting there. And then I did business consulting after that. And that's kind of where that transferred. Um, somebody that I knew wanted me to do insurance. So to help him open a new agency. So I was helping him with that at the same time getting into e-com. And that's kind of where the e-com journey started. But to 
not make it seem like it was that smooth. I was also that guy at one point that was trying anything and everything that I thought would make a buck. Like an MLM, a little thing here, and you know, I'd do it for a couple of months and you know, it wouldn't make as the results that I wanted because I only gave it two months and, and then I'd move on to the next thing. And uh, I would say when I stopped doing that, that was like the biggest game changer. Hmm. So what got you to stop doing that? Was it finding e-com? Was it like your friend's insurance business? Like what got you to stop bouncing around? Yeah. So uh, it was actually during the beginning, you know, throughout life. And then at the beginning of the insurance game is when I was still bouncing around. And then when I found e-com, because um, I missed this earlier, but when I was like 18, I helped a lady run an online eBay store and we did really well. It was just like a two person operation, uh, you know, as an employee then, but I learned a lot. Um, and then basically didn't touch like any e-com related stuff, like my whole army career and everything. And when I got out and started doing the insurance, e-com came back into my life through a friend of a friend. I started seeing it more online and everything. And I knew there was money to be made. So, um, I actually, uh, bought this guy's course. He's my business partner now, uh, Jeff Bunting and, uh, I bought his course and then we, uh, like I killed it, crushed it and happened to move out to California shortly after that. Uh, because my uh, girlfriend at the time, wife now, uh, she needed to come out here for her career. So we came out and he lived here and we became good friends and started working together and now we run this company together. So it's been a pretty awesome journey. Huh, so what do you think made Ecom different for, for you from, from all those other things you were bouncing around from? When I, when I decided to do Ecom, I told myself like, I'm not gonna do anything else for a year and I'm gonna work on this at least an hour or two a day, every day. Like legitimately, when we moved from Texas to California, I'm from California, but when I got out of the army, I lived in Texas for a while. And uh, I was so committed to listing that on the drive, moving our stuff from Texas to California, like I pulled over at like 10.30 and went to the hotel, even though I could have kept driving because I like needed to list and work because I hadn't worked that day yet. That's how like dedicated I was to it. Um, and that was the biggest game changer was just sticking to one thing first off and then being extremely like dedicated and consistent to that one thing. Hmm. So when did you start seeing like real success with e-com? Like, like how long was it taken for you to, to really pick up? Um, for me, I started doing like well enough to live off of e-com and, and like start to, you know, uh, I would say like live a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was more like a six month mark, which is actually really short. I, I wouldn't want like someone to have false expectations that think that's going to happen for everybody. Um, but I tell most people to give it like a year because in my head, I was giving it a year no matter what. And I think because I made that decision and I was putting in the effort, like, like I'm going to make this work. And a year was what I had in my head. But honestly, it was like, in, I'm going to do it till it works. Like I know it's going to work. Um, but yeah, it was about six months. Like at six months, I had like, within six months of starting e-com, I'd moved to California. So obviously my living expenses like tripled, um, bought a new car, like, and just, you know, it's really been, you know, I've had some challenges in between there with different things, but it's been really great and uh, an amazing journey. Sure. So obviously there's, there's a million different kinds of e-com and, and ways that you can be selling stuff online. So walk our listeners through kind of like your basic business model. Yeah, so so back then it was eBay dropshipping, which eBay dropshipping has come become a little bit harder and I would say not as scalable really. Um, uh, more focus on Amazon now, so pretty much completely focused on Amazon and two different models really there. So we have a dropshipping model, which we've been running stores like that for years, and we actually provide a service now that, to do that for other people. But we also um, do like a wholesale and. Um, private label type of thing. So we have some products in there. We have other product stores that we sell, like, you know, name brand items, like it could be paper towels, like whatever, like ones you would already buy that, you know, we can secure at a discount. So those different models there, um, but mainly focused on the drop shipping when it comes to, um, you know, scaling and teaching that to other people. Hmm. Absolutely. So one thing that I know you're also very interested in and something that I know our listeners are very interested in as well is uh, credit and leveraging credit to live a better life and just take advantage of, of new opportunities. So walk us through how, like sort of when you got introduced to the world of credit and like learned about the ways that you could leverage that. Yeah. So, um, I don't know why, but for some reason when I was like 17 years old, because my parents are like anti-credit cards. Like really? even to this like day, my parents, my, my parents are so anti-credit card. It's crazy. <laughs> so 
Um, I, you know, like most people, it's because they had like a bad experience or whatever. Like they got in crazy debt, whatever. And but anyway, there's like anti credit card. But when I was like 17, for some reason, I like decided like I need to build my credit. So like literally like the week of my 18th birthday, I went and got like a secured credit card. And this is like before like social because I'm 29, so like I'm older than like most people that uh, are around me. And so then like social media wasn't what it is today. Yeah. Like people weren't even talking about this stuff, especially young people. And so I don't know, I just thought like new was important. So I just like pay my gas bill on that card like every month and pay it off and slowly started building it. And then when I was in the army, got like a, a card, like one of those store cards, like, you know, it'd be like for Best Buy, but it was sure. for, like on post shopping. And uh, like from there and then, you know, that's how I built my credit. Like I didn't know all these hacks or anything crazy. I just knew that the longer, the sooner you got a credit card, the sooner it would start to build, right? Mm. Um, and then when I got into e-com and I was spending a lot and, you know, because when you're drop shipping, you're buying here and then selling here and you're, you know, you're making a margin, but you're spending a lot of money. So I was like, you know, how can I best take advantage of this, um, with points or cash back or whatever. And so the, the plus side there is like, in, you know, in the income game, anyone that does drop shipping or anything like that, that's making a lot of purchases. If you're, if you're spending 50, hundred grand a month, like, you're making like a million points a year. You you could, you know, take first class vacation like twice a year for a week and it'd be completely free. So, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then when it comes to credit though, the biggest thing is, is it's a very powerful tool that requires, um, a lot of responsibility hmm. because you can also hurt yourself really bad in credit. And because throughout my journey, I learned all of these tricks and knew how to get zero interest and knew how to get these crazy high credit limits. There was a point in my life that I was not responsible with that. Like I way overspent, had this crazy debt bill that would like blow anybody's mind. Like that's all been resolved now and I've paid it off and I'm doing well. But like at one point in my life, like, like if someone actually looked at my credit accounts, they would probably cry. But like, I don't know, I was able to manage it and I paid them all off and like, it, you know, that's the ish thing. But with like, I, I don't know, it's kind of funny. You could think of like the Spider-Man quote of like with great powers, great responsibility type of thing. Um, and I believe that. And if you watch, uh, like I've posted some IGT videos lately about credit and funding and different things. And I stress that so much because I don't want to teach you a very powerful tool and then you go ruin your life or put yourself in a really bad situation because that's not the point of it. Mm. So what do you think are, are, are like the important sort of like cornerstones that people need to understand before they get into the credit game? Like, what do you wish you could like go back in time and like whisper in, in your ear before you yeah, started? So, so the biggest thing is, is the, the reward has to outweigh the cost. And so when I say cost or cost of money, I'm talking about the interest or the points that you're paying on a loan. And what that means is, let's say you go get a credit card for $10,000, right? And you, you may have 0% for like 12 months. Well, if you go out and you spend that $10,000 and you can't pay it off in the next 12 months, that interest rate's gonna be like 20% when it's over. So now if you went and you, you know, you bought your first round of inventory or something like that for a store or, or you're launching a business or something like that, it can potentially make sense because you're going to have hopefully a reward if you do well in your business. Uh, you know, you're going to be positive. You can pay that loan off before the interest kicks in. Or even if you were able to secure a loan or a different card that had a lower interest, then it would make sense. But if you're just using it to go buy stuff that you're not getting a return on in it makes no sense. You're just putting yourself in a bad situation. So I always say like, you know, in the, it's on my IGT video and I have a whiteboard when I'm doing it. So it makes a little bit more sense. But basically like if it costs you 10%, you better be able to make at least like, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14% or it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Cause otherwise you're negative in the cash flow. Just like, so anyone that's also watching this right now or listening to this, if you're in debt right now, Basically, look at all your cards, look at your loans, whatever you have, and whatever has the highest interest rate, pay that one off first because that's the one that's costing you the most money. So um, to kind of get yourself out of that as quickly as possible. So that's what I would say. Just make sure that you're having a positive return if you're going to borrow because this goes all the way down from little stuff like credit cards all the way up to like, like I own a hotel. So like the loan on the hotel, like uh, it has to outweigh the reward. 
So like I have to make more than that, obviously, so I can turn a profit or it wouldn't make sense to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So same concept with anything. It just, the reward has to outweigh the cost, just like the risk the, or the reward has to outweigh the risk. Same thing. Absolutely. So walk us through like a basic, like credit building or like credit leveraging setup for like a, an online entrepreneur. Like if somebody's just getting started, they've got a little online business they're running. Like what's, what are the best like first couple steps for them to take as far as like building credit and getting some rewards going on? Yeah. So basically one of the first thing is, is you have to like build a little bit of credit. So you're not going to get approved for the really good cards that give you like the higher cash back rates or the really good travel perks. Uh, if you don't have good credit, like, and I'm talking like 700 plus score. So if you're just starting out, like you're young, that's watching this, or you just didn't think credit was important or your parents told you that credit cards are bad because they, they screwed up. you got to build it first. And one of the ways to do that is a thing called a secured credit card. So a secured credit card is basically you go to, there's certain banks that do like right now, one of the better ones I think out there is discover. Yeah. Has one. They got a good and, one. So basically you're going to give the bank, like let's say 300 bucks and they're going to put it in an escrow account. And basically an escrow account is basically just an account you can't touch and they're going to give you $300 credit limit. And then you can spend up to $300 and you know, pay it off and whatever. And basically the, the reason the bank's willing to do that with no credit history is because if you don't pay it off, they already have your money, but it's treated like a credit card on your credit report. So it starts reporting and you'll start to build credit or those of you that already, you know, maybe bought a car and are on an auto loan or something like that, that can help too. So now once you've got, and I would suggest getting maybe like two or three of those, cause then you have two or three cards reporting and get them at the same time, you know, put 300 bucks on each of them. If you actually have funds, you can look this up, but I think it's like three or $4,000. Like if you put like three to $4,000 on the cards as like your limits, if you have the funds to do this, they're treated differently. Like they report better on your credit report than if you just did like 300. But you know, if you're just starting out in your journey, you probably don't have like 12 grand to put three grand on different credit cards. Sure. So but anyway, that's just something you can look up and look into if you'd like. So now that you start to build it, I would say it's going to take about six months for those to really like make an impact on your credit report. You can download apps like Credit Karma or some of your credit cards will come with free monitoring services and whatnot. Uh, so you can take a peek. You know, they're not totally accurate, but at least you get an idea. Um, because if you're brand new, you won't even like pop up on Credit Karma. They won't be able to find you. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, once you get that, then you can start looking in the cards that actually can give you some benefits because these secured cards don't really have any perks to them is the thing. So then, but once you're there, you got to decide, you do you want cash back and just make it easy and, you know, maybe get like an Amex plum card for your business, or there's a couple other ones out there that, you know, pay like one and a half percent cash back. So that's an option, but you don't get the travel perks. Then on the travel perks side, you're going to get points. Now, a lot of the cards, if you just use the points directly with, let's say Amex, let's use Amex as an example. Because um, if you just were to book a flight through Amex, the points are worth a penny a point. So a thousand dollar flight is a hundred thousand points. Or yeah, that's right, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but you can transfer those points out directly to the airline that they're partners with and they go a lot further generally. So that's where you can make up because a penny a point would only be like one, you know, 0.1% where if you transfer them out, they could be worth like 5% or even more technically in some situations. Like perfect example. Uh, this is probably like the, one of the crazier travel hacks I ever did was, um, so for my honeymoon, when I got married, I got married, married December or November 30th. We had to change the date last minute from December 1st. Crazy story. But, uh, we got married in Paris and went to Rome for a week, Dubai for a week, and the Maldives for a week. Well, on the way back from the Maldives, uh, back to the States, uh, we flew Emirates first class. And I, that, those flights cost me $600. And those flights are actually $15,000 a plane ticket if you paid for them. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they cost me a lot of points too. Don't get me wrong. Like sure. you'd have to spend a lot of money to get them, but, uh, actual dollars out of my pocket were like $600 in like fees and taxes per ticket. Huh. That's or, wild, man. Yeah. So give us, give us some like ninja, ninja credit tips, like for those people who have already, so that, that spoke to the beginners, but for the people that have already been building credit for a while, they've got like a solid base going on. They, maybe they have a few travel cards right now. What are some things they could do to really like up their game? 
So the big one is, is actually going to like directly to the airline. That's the biggest thing. Some people will. So example, like if you, even with like the chase reward system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a partner with say United. Well, you can book it through there, but the points aren't going to go as far. If you transfer them out, you can get the, the points all the way down to like, you know, 12.5 thousand per leg on a domestic flight. So it's that. And also with points, generally with most airlines, you have to plan your travel in advance because if you're going to use points within 21 days of your flight, they charge you like all these extra fees. Hmm. So instead of it being like 10 bucks for security fees, it'll be like $90. So that's one. Um, And so when you get into the more advanced stuff, it's stuff that's always changing that you have to stay on top of. Like for instance, Amex will do partnerships with airlines every once in a while. And if you transfer your points out to that airline, you get a 25% point boost. So, um, but these are all things that you, I never transfer those points until I'm about to book a flight. Cause I just don't want random points sitting on Emirates's account when I need to book a flight on Virgin, you know? So, um, that would be the biggest thing. And then also is, you know, setting yourself up with a business that, you know, turns a lot of money. Um, I don't do any of these manufactured spending things that you hear about and whatnot because they spend enough with my businesses. Um, you know, think about it in a, in a drop shipping store situation. Like I said earlier, if you're spending a hundred K a month on inventory and you might be making t- only 10 grand on that 10%, but whatever, you just spent a hundred grand. You're spending $1.2 million per year on inventory. You're racking up the points. Mm, exactly. And I mean, what I do is I run a lot of Facebook ads for clients and I have all those hooked up to all my different rewards credit cards. So all the spend that I'm doing for them is literally just re- cranking in points for me every single week. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, if you, you got to set yourself up in a situation to spend a lot of money. So, um, if you're not spending a lot, then there are some techniques out there. I don't stay up with the latest and greatest ones. Um, and honestly, like at least from the ones that I've heard of in the past, it's like kind of a lot of work and a pain in the ass. (laughs) So, uh, like I don't want to spend a bunch of time just trying to like hack the system and running around town with gift cards and all this stuff. I'd rather just do my business. Exactly. So, I mean, talk to us now about sort of the role that, that mentors have had on you. I'm pretty curious about, about if you had anyone who really influenced you primarily in the dropshipping space and in e-com, did you have anybody who, who you were looking up, looking up to? I mean, you know, you mentioned you took that course at the beginning, but like, who were you, who were you learning from and what did that process look like? Yeah. So like I said, in the beginning, like the, the main person I learned from was like, he's now my business partner and we run this company together. Uh, his name's Jeff Bunting. He's at Bunt on Instagram. You want to check him out. But, um, basically he had done really well. He's young. He's, he's a few years younger than I. And, um, he decided to, to make a course through a friend of a friend. This was like, it's like the first like course I ever like really bought online. So, um, I like vetted him through a friend of a friend and he seemed legit. And, uh, you know, it's so funny, like where we are now compared to what the course was then, like the course, then he like sold the course. And then like, you know, it was like one of the most expensive courses out there. It was like 1500 bucks. Like at the time, everyone's selling stuff like three, 400 bucks. And uh, I got sent like a Dropbox file with some videos in it. that was like recorded <laughs> on a webcam. And, uh, you know, it was the information was there, but like it was just interesting. And now like when we do stuff, we have like video team and like all these crazy things. And like, but, you know, learning was, you know, he just knew what he was talking about. And so I took the information. The biggest thing for people that like take courses or, or, you know, with a mentor is take the advice, like, and apply it. Like you, uh, you get all these people that like ask you all these questions and like you, you want to help them, but then they don't take it. So then I just Mm. stop asking like, or stop answering to them. So it'd be like, Hey, what should I do in this situation? This is what you should do. And then you watch them do something else and you're like, okay, well, I guess you know better than me. So why even, why, why am I going to waste my time answering your question? Um, when I already know my time is more valuable than yours, the way we're treating it. Hmm. So, um, the biggest thing is like, if, if you guys are going to go out and you're going to learn from somebody, one, make sure they actually are legit. It's so easy to fake the funk, especially with social media nowadays. So, um, you know, make sure they like have real results, make sure they're actually doing it. And then on top of that, Um, once you actually do decide to participate or they do decide to take you on, make sure you listen to them. Like you're, you're, 
you're in the situation you're in because of decisions you've made yourself or the path you've taken. And you want, obviously you're going to them because you want to be where they are or, or something of that nature or part of it at least. So listen to them, like take their advice, but it also doesn't mean that that's where it ends. So like, you know, with the dropshipping stuff, like he taught me some things, but I also went and I learned new stuff. I expanded on that knowledge. A lot of people also expect when they get a mentor, they get a course or whatever, that like, they're just, it's going to be like a job where every day you come in, you're going to get told what to do. You do that. And it's all going to be, you know, beautiful. That's just not how it works. You have to learn new things. You have to expand. That's the only way you're going to get better. Like, uh, you know, what if something happens to that person? You just business is going to be over. No, (laughs) you know? So like, for instance, like I like to use the example too, of like how we've built like our coaching team. So, Nobody works like as at least on the the teaching coaching side that hasn't like gone through a course. We've noticed that they're helping other students. Then we like, we'll bring them out and they'll work with us or they'll coach a class or part of a class and we'll see how that goes. And then they'll start teaching um, a class and, and really participating. That's how like the whole like coaching staff has been built for our company. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. So it's not anyone from the outside. It's not like we just grab some random person. It was like we only bring people up that have gone through it and excelled. Hmm. So I'm curious that that brings us to this next point that I wanted to hit on was is like building a team. So, I mean, when did you get started bringing on other people in the e-com space? Like when you were just getting started dropshipping, did you have like virtual assistants and stuff right away? Or uh, when that happened? So I tell people, and when we, when I teach like building a team in our classes and stuff, I always tell people like, you want to know how to do it necessarily early on or practice per se, but you got to master the skill first. How can you expect to teach somebody um, this skill, this new skill that you're learning if you haven't mastered it yet? You know, it doesn't make any sense. So you need to put in the time, you need to put in the work, you need to put in the hours to master it, then go teach somebody. Also, I like to tell people like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to a lot of things. And so I'm trying to minimize my cost when I'm starting something new. So if I have time in the day to do it, like I should be doing it until the point that like that doesn't make sense anymore. Or I'm limiting my scalability because there's just not enough hours in the day to like do everything. So like, I, like in the classes so that people can get used. Cause not everybody, you know, a lot of people have just worked jobs. They've never been in management. They never owned a company. So you got to get good at hiring somebody, teaching somebody to do what you want them to do. Um, and especially if you're hot, trying to hire, you know, like a, a, a cheaper VA that's overseas, there's going to be like some language barriers there. Um, they may not fully understand what you're talking about and it takes a little bit more time. And I, I tell people, it's like having a deck of cards. You just got to keep flipping and flipping and flipping until you find an ace. Every once in a while it's on top, but it's generally not. Hmm. Um, so if you, you know, when you're first getting started, you know, start to master the business. Once you get the hang of your business, maybe hire a VA or just, you know, get on a, you know, websites like Upwork or whatever, where you can, you can find freelancers and, and have them do something even very minimal that it could not even be related to like your actual business. You could have them like build you a spreadsheet or do some data entry or something like that. Just to practice that skill um, of, you know, teaching somebody to do something that you want. And if they suck firing them, if they're good, uh, you know, keeping them if they are in the middle, like working with them to make them better. Um, because one thing you'll notice, like when you work with other people, especially like, um, like foreign VAs, like they really have like a, like a service mentality. Like they want to do good for you. Yeah. Um, in the U S a lot of people are really lazy. Um, so trying to do the minimal thing, like they really want to like see you be happy and proud. So, um, but yeah, so I, even myself, like I didn't start hiring them until like I was like capped out and I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to like get this all done. Like I can't handle the customer service, fill all these orders, do all this stuff by myself. Like I just need help. And so luckily I, I had a little bit of experience cause we had like huge, I had like built huge call centers uh, when I was doing insurance. So um, I had a little bit of experience with like, you know, working with VAs and like overseas and stuff. So I uh, started hiring VAs to do that. And now like, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've, you've seen, but we, we have a service where we build Amazon stores for people. Well, that's like each store is a team of VAs and we run, uh, like last count, I think is 173 stores as, as of this week. 
So we have an army <laughs> of VAs now. Um, and then we also have our stateside team for customer service, onboarding clients, video team, editors. Like, so uh, yeah, it's become really big from me sitting behind my laptop for like 16 hours a day by myself to now having this huge operation. That's crazy. So one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm super glad you brought up is like, you need to know how to explain something well before you try to hire somebody to do it. Cause that's a mistake that I made. I started outsourcing way too early. Like before I even knew what I was doing, I was like trying to find people to like do stuff for me. Um, and it was, it was a total mess. Like I couldn't explain it well. And it just made it so hard for them to do a good job because like you said, like people want to do a good job, but if you make it difficult for them to do a good job for you, then no one's having a good time. You're not having a good time. They're not having a good time. And it's just, it's a mess, but you got to make sure you have those clear parameters and like, this is what a good job looks like. And this is how you can, you can do this thing at, at a good level. Yeah. It's like, if you like, the, like those of you that have jobs right now, or you had a job in the past, like think about like showing up to, to work on your first day you know, and you work at McDonald's or something and you're, you show up and you're ready to work and your boss is like, you go to your boss and he's like, um, yeah, why don't you make hamburgers today? And you're like, okay, like, how do I do that? And he's like, I'll just go over there and make them. Like you're going to be lost. Like you're not going to know the system. You're not going to know how it works. Like you're going to need to be shown examples multiple times. So you need to show them examples multiple times so that they can understand it and they're probably not going to get it right the first time just like when you 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 know you made or you you got the ice cream station and you did a little swirly thing the first time it probably didn't like like look good you know it's just how it is so you have to get in that mentality it's totally different you're you're no longer showing up to work with somebody that's going to give you a checklist of shit you need to do every day you're showing up to work by yourself with nobody to hold you accountable and that's another big factor you have, there's, whether you wake up early and start working or whatever your schedule is, cause I don't wake up that early compared to a lot of other people. Um, but you're, it's, it's you, there's no, you're not going to get yelled at. <laughs> you're, you're not going to get paid if you don't show up either. But like you're, you know, if it's, it's all on you now in a lot of people, we spend a little bit of time when we, when we work with new clients and stuff, or especially students that are, are starting to do really well, that are looking at leaving their jobs and stuff. And we spend time with them explaining, like, you're about to make this big sh decision and we're really excited for you. And, and we're really proud of you. Uh, Cause it, you know, you put in a lot of work to get here, but you have to remember that now this isn't like two, three hours at nighttime after your job, which your job already pays all your bills and this is fun side money. You're about to make a decision that you got to do this every day and you got to work on this and you can outsource parts of it and, and everything, but you still like, you need to treat this like it's the blood in your body because if you don't, you're going to die. Your business is going to die. So if you think you can outsource everything and just like set it and forget it, like no one's ever going to care about your business as much as you do. Hmm. That is, that is the truth. That is some wisdom right there. I'm sure that really, really resonated with somebody out there that needed to hear that. Yeah. I, I tell everybody that like, it's so important. Like, um, there's like a statistic that basically like an, an amazing employee will duplicate you at like 70% and a good employee is going to be around 50 and like your average employee is like 30. So if you, if you think about that, like just in like worth ethic and what they can do, um, you know, you, you really need to spend a lot of time with your team and still, you know, make sure things are going the way you want them to go. So Nick, I'm like, I'm, I'm fascinated right now by like, what, what, what does your overseas team look like? I mean, you said you got this army of people, like, like what's, what's the basic structure there? So we have, um, we have multiple locations. So we have obviously like a man, a head, like executive at each one. And then they break down into, you know, managers of, of multiple teams. So like, because there has to be a structure to it. So it's, it's a very like corporate structure there. Um, and it became that it wasn't always that obviously, cause it, you know, it started with a couple of them and, uh, but it's really built into like what you would think when you walked into like, you know, big office building here, that's what you're going to see over there. Um, obviously it's just a little bit different. Huh? So when, when did you really start to like scale that up? Because I mean, you said at the beginning you had a couple people, but when did you really yes. decide to go? So, yeah. so about like two and a half years ago is like when, you know, started hiring like the VAs and everything. And then um, when we really started to automate and figure out the processes and, um, 
and we found like really, we found those aces. That was the big thing was finding the aces hmm. because we needed to find people that could do really well. And then we had to get introduced and make the relationships to have the managers and like the people that could oversee to make sure that they're going to do everything. Cause when you're just hiring like a, a VA uh, just individually, like they're used to just like, they might've worked for like some agency or something that to get some work in the past or whatever, but they're really like a freelancer. So you have to, you know, now you're not just looking for someone that can list your products or fill your orders. You're looking for someone that can manage a team of 10 people, 20 people that are doing that for you. Um, and hold them accountable and do all of that so that you're not the one having to make all these calls uh, like every day to make sure everyone's on top of their stuff. And then also, so now I can check in with that person. And so it's very rare that I really have to like talk to lots of individuals. I have like my head executives at the different places that I talk to that they run the show there, Mm -hmm. just like you would anywhere else. Like if we're, if they were in-house, it'd be the same thing. I wouldn't talk to, well, I wouldn't have meetings with every single employee. I would have meetings with, you know, the executives and, you know, I'd still check on everybody, but that would be the extent of it. Hmm. So do you have any, any strategies that have worked particularly well for you when it comes to finding those aces? It's flipping through the cards. That's it. Like this, um, especially in the beginning, like you're, you're, you're not going to, fine. Like these people that we have now are for found from through, through ah, relationships. Hmm. Um, you're going to just have to, you know, it's good practice for you anyway, especially those of you that have never like hired people, fired people, like, you know, gone through that process. You're going to have to bring, bring them in, you know, do a Skype call, you know, whatever, talk to them, tell them what you want. Hopefully they, you know, hopefully they understand, train them on what you want to do, have them repeat it back to you, do multiple examples. And, you know, see how they work. Do they do this stuff on time? Are they, are they efficient? Uh, you know, it's the right price, you know, all of that stuff. And then from there, you know, you can add more work to them and, and build it out, but it's just, you know, they're going to, you just got to go through it. There's no like shortcut answer. Just like there's, you know, everyone thinks like get rich quick, all these things. That's just not the case. It, some things may happen fairly quickly, but it's the things you might've done years ago or the studying or the research and stuff you did years ago. That's really what's making it look like it happened really fast. Mm-hmm. That's so true, man. I got this chart for those of y'all that are watching on the video that um, I got from Sam Ovens and it basically, it, it embodies exactly everything that you just said right there. Um, I don't know if it's even going to show up on the camera, but basically it's a chart that shows um, on one side you have like, it, it's a chart of memory and the effect of your actions versus time. And like right now, your memory of what you're doing is very high. Like you remember the things you did today. You remember the things you did yesterday. But as time goes on, that goes down. So you're, you're remembering less and less. Like I can't really remember what I did six months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Like that's that memory on that is, is very low. But the effect that those actions had that I took way back then it is having a huge impact on me today. And the, the thing that a lot of people get messed up on is they think that their results today are determined by their actions today. But like the results that people see me having today are the, 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 the results of actions that I was taking two years ago. And that's something that not a lot of people I think really understand. But once I began to sort of realize that uh, it really just like opened my mind to like, wow, like I've been setting the foundation for this for so long. And it's not just because of the things I did yesterday, the day before it's because of things I was doing like 24 months ago. Exactly. So, um, for instance, like I told you earlier, don't really touch eBay much at all anymore, but because I built that forever ago and it's still, the store was established, I still have a couple of VAs that monitor that and it still makes me money from stuff I did three years ago. Mm. But so, but the, and then the other thing is, I don't know if you ever uh, read the book, uh, the slight edge, one of my favorite books Mm. by Jeff Olson, but it's the, there's the little things you do every day. It's a momentum. So, Um, for instance, that was the mentality I had, like I said, like I would work on it a little bit every day. So it was like, I had to list like three items every single day, no matter what. And then obviously handle like orders and customer service and all of that. But, um, you know, I to relate it back to his example, he uses in the book about like, uh, reading a book, you know, reading 10 pages a day of a book. It's really easy to do, but it's also really easy not to do. It's like, oh, it's only 10 pages. It's no big deal. And are 10 pages really going to change your life? Probably not. But if you read 10 pages a day, you're reading like 3,600 pages a year. That's about at least 10 books. 
reading 10 books, 10 good books, 10 of the right books could really change your life. So Mm -hmm. it's just really deciding to do that and just making the decision to do it. And that's one of the things that's like, has really like allowed me to open my mind to other things and learn a lot, even though it's not being taken in big chunks where it seems like it's a big deal. But over time I've read so many books and, um, but you can use that example with anything in your life. Like there's like quick workout or, um, just something that you want to get better at. I don't know, maybe you want to pay, play the guitar, like, you know, work on it for 10 minutes every day. It doesn't seem like a lot, but over time, like, you know, you put a lot of hours into it. Hmm. So I'm curious about like, cause you're, you're working on, you're working on a few different things right now. Like how do you balance your focus? Like how do you decide what gets your energy, your resources, your attention, um, on a daily, weekly, or like, what is your, what does your focus plan look like? So for me, it's, it, I kind of set it up in days. So um, my office is about 45 minutes to an hour from where I live. So um, I knock out a lot of calls on the drive. I, and the plus side is I can go there when I want. Like I don't drive there during rush hour traffic. I drive when everyone's already at work and it's just a nice smooth drive down. Um, so I set it up in days. So it's like, you know, if I'm going around to the office like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, like my main focus is, is Ecom Kings because that's what our office is. That's what it's for. Um, and then, you know, it doesn't mean I don't think about it on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but Tuesdays and Thursdays, maybe the days that I work on other things that I have going on because I have other investments and other things, but my main day-to-day business is Ecom Kings. Hmm. So that being said, like going into a business, now you're working with, with Bunt pretty heavily on that. Like how, how does, how does that dynamic look and how would you talk to a young listener who's thinking about going into business with somebody else and, and going in on a partnership? You have to have a reason for it. Like if you, if you like, it works really well for us, but if you both have the same exact skills and you're both really good at the same exact thing, there's probably no reason to have a partnership. There's um, things about business, like running the business um, that Bunt's really, really good at and that he likes to do. And there's things about the business that I'm really good at that I like to do, but there's things that he likes to do that I freaking hate. And there's things that he, he, he hates that I like. So it works really well for us. Um, but you know, but if you have somebody else that's just the same, just hire somebody to do things that you want. Don't, you know, there's no need for a partnership. So it just has to make sense. Um, because it's literally like getting married. Like it is like, cause that's your business. That's your life. That's like what, you know, feeds you and does everything. So, uh, you really have to like have a balance there of, of that. And then we're also really good friends too. So it's like, not like it's just work. So, um, you know, but we, we do have those two different relationships. So like at, at work, if something's going wrong, like it may be like a little heated, but then like, you know, four hours later, we're like best friends again. So it's just the way that it is. Huh. Is that a difficult dynamic to manage or is that something you guys have like kind of mastered at this point? Uh, we're really good at it. And then I think also, cause like when I was in the military, for instance, like, um, you know, there's no like, you know, at work, it's work. Like if someone outranks you, like you do what they say, like, and it's on. And then, you know, but on the weekends, you might be, you know, go over to each other's house and have a beer or whatever. Like, so, um, you know, when it's at work, like we're in work mode and it's focused on the business and growing the business and taking care of our customers and providing the best experience that we can. Um, and you know, there's different versions of that. And then you know, just being able to say like, Hey, this is friends. This is that just like if you were, if you were in business with your, a family member or you were in business with, you know, your wife or whatever, or boy or husband, whatever, like you'd have to find a way to like turn it off or like, not that it totally ever turns off, but <laughs> uh, to like balance that out. Like, cause otherwise that it would consume everything about you. Hmm. That's, that's so true. And like, yeah, trying to balance other relationships and, and I'm, I'm enrolled in school right now. So balancing that as well. Um, it's all definitely a lot to, to really, a lot of plates to balance. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely a skill that I've been trying to hone over time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Um, Nick, I've got some questions now that I like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. You've been dropping a lot of value so far. So you ready for those? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. The first of which is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? It could be something in your business, in the wider uh, realm of like e but like what's got you fired up? 
Um, so I'm pretty sure I just bought a Lamborghini today. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I'm pretty pumped on that. Uh, I like final negotiations were like this morning. I think we finally decided on a number. So I should be picking that up like tomorrow or wow. the next day. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Um, and then also I'm taking off to Tokyo on Saturday because my wife's filming a TV show out in Tokyo. She's been there this week already. I'm just going to go up and meet up with her for a couple of days um, and then come back. So pretty excited for her there. And then, yeah, I've been, I've been wanting one for like a while and like, I'm pretty conservative. So I don't like, I'm not, a, I don't spend like that much when it comes to that stuff. And it's just like business has been doing really well. And it's like, at this point, it's, I was just like, Hey, when another store hits this, um, number, I'm just going to do it. So uh, I think we're there. <laughs> wow. That is wild, man. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be looking out for that. <laughs> Super cool. So next thing I'm curious about is whether you have any habits that have served you particularly well. I know you said you don't wake up early, but like, is there, is there anything you're doing on a regular basis, either in your business or your lifestyle that's uh, really helped you get to that next level? Um, like I, I kind of touched on it when I talked about the momentum thing and, and just the daily habits, it's the little things like everyone thinks like, Oh, if I, I, uh, if I do this, like cause so-and-so said that, that some successful person does this, you got to find what works best for you. Like, you know, I could wake up stupid early if I wanted to. It's not that I, I can't. It's just I don't want to. Like, I rather wake up between like 7.30 and 8 o'clock and start my day. I go to the gym um, most days for a little bit in the morning, and then I kind of get going. But like someone else, you know, maybe waking up at 4 is better for them. Maybe some people, they operate better at night. So they might sleep until noon, but they stay up till 5 o'clock in the morning every night because they just work better at nighttime. It just depends. You got to set it up. You got to decide what's important to you that you need to work on every day. Make sure that that gets done in your day and set it up for yourself. Like not everybody's the same. I even saw like a meme one time and I'm not saying this is totally true, but it's funny. It's like, if I was a billionaire, I just tell everyone they got to wake up at 4am to be successful. Like, cause you know, like everyone says like all these, you know, real, like really wealthy people all wake up early and a lot of them do. So there is something to say about that, but I just thought it was funny that like, you know, oh, you just got to do this and you'll be successful. And it's not the case. Like you have to set it up and it's, it's about priorities and it's not setting it up so that you're avoiding things or you're, or you're not getting things done efficiently. So it's not like, like a free for all, but you got to set it up for your, what makes sense for you really. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I'm curious about as well, I know you mentioned uh, the book, The Slight Edge, but is there any other content that you're consuming right now, whether that's books, audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube channels, um, that you're getting a, a lot of value out of at the moment that you think would benefit our listeners? I was, I was like looking to see if like what books are around here right now. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'm usually consistently like have one or two books that I'm reading at the same time and like listening to, uh, like a podcast or an audio. I actually don't listen to that many podcasts. I probably should listen to a little bit more. Um, and I generally will watch them on like YouTube if I do, because like, I like the video a little bit better than just listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say like one of my favorites I recently did was I wanted to get a little bit better about talking um, or like speaking. And so I was reading, uh, this one on Ted talks. Let me look at the title again really quick so I can let you know what it, what it is. Yeah, for sure. I just have like one of those subscriptions to audible on like Amazon every month I get a book, whether like a credit or whatever it says, talk like Ted, the Mm -hmm. nine public speaking, um, secrets, like, of the world's top minds or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Pretty good is what it looks like. You can see that. Cool. Talk like Ted. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Gave some good points on like what they talk about. Um, like for instance, all Ted talks are limited to 18 minutes if you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like funny cause like a lot of these people are used to like really long presentations, but they force them to like squeeze it into 18 minutes and just like things that can impact people like, uh, during presentations and stuff. Uh, I found like a lot of stuff useful. I'll actually probably have to listen to it again before I, can really apply it because uh generally i just like have it playing in the background yeah so i like really and now every once in a while like i'll be like oh that sounded good <laughs> and then uh, so i gotta go back and like re-listen to it so i can like take some notes and uh actually apply the information absolutely yeah that mindful consumption of information is definitely 
definitely something to, to think about. Like a lot of times I have an audiobook on, but I'm like, I got to decide if I'm like actually going to listen to it or if it's just going to like exist in the background. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's the one thing about the audiobooks is because you're not actually reading like where you could like highlight it or like yeah. underline or whatever. Uh, like generally have to like listen to them like two or three times before it starts to sink in. <laughs> hundred percent. Well, Nick, you have been uh, providing a ton of value to our listeners and I'm extremely, extremely grateful for that. Where can they go if they want to follow up with you, learn more about you, Ecom Kings, all the good stuff that you're working on right now? Yeah. So uh, if you guys aren't already following me, you can check me out at, at Nick Fitz, N-I-C-K-F-I-T-Z. That's my Instagram. That's my most active social media. Um, you can pretty much find all the rest of them from there. And then uh, our website is ecomkings.com with a Z, not an S. Um, and you can find out about Ecom Kings there. That's where we, uh, you can sign up for classes if you want to learn how to get involved in uh, e-commerce or uh, if you want to take advantage of uh, our service where we actually build you a store and run it for you. Um, all that information's on there. You can fill out the form. One of someone on my team will reach out to you. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. I will link both of those up in the show notes below for our listeners. Nick, again, man, I'm extremely grateful for your time and you choosing to spend it here on Young Smart Money. Do you have any last uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to leave the listener with here today? Just at the end of the day, there's going to be times when it gets hard and you're not going to want to do it. Just remember why you started. So really focus on why you want to do this, why you want to, you know, go against the grain and um, just keep that in mind throughout your journey. Mm, there we go. Lean into that. Why Nick, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. All right. Awesome. man. Well, y'all, that is a wrap. That's another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I got two quick asks of you really quick. The first of which is if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean the absolute world to me. We're closing in on 200 reviews right now. Um, I read each and every one of those. And if you uh, screenshot it, tag me in your Instagram story, I will be sure to repost that as well. The second thing that I want to ask you is if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, okay, learning how I was able to take young smart money from the ground up, turn it into a top 100 business podcast in a few short months, I put together this free training that I'm, I'm giving away to people, basically teaching you the secrets to podcasting, the stuff that other people aren't really talking about. Like you can find videos online of like the best podcasting setup or like the best podcasting gear, but no one's really talking about how to land big guests, how to network with influencers, how to actually monetize your show. So I want to put together a free training uh, for that. If you guys are interested, the link will be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, you can go to applecrater.com slash podcast. That's applecrater.com slash podcast and check out that absolutely free training that I put together for y'all to uh, get yourself educated in the world of podcasting because that's something that I'm really passionate about. So I want to teach others. But guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Don't want to waste too much of your time. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you chose to spend this last hour here on Young Smart Money.